Welcome to We Are Free. I am your host, Becky Morquecho, and you're listening to episode two. This is a podcast about letting go of what we think our lives should look like and the sweet freedom God has for us on the other side of surrender. Today, my guest is Diana Kerr. Diana is a certified professional life coach and Christian writer. Her life's mission is to help go-getter Christian women break free from overwhelm and boldly, intentionally design their time and life to make what matters happen. She does this through one-on-one coaching and her group program, Fight for Margin. Diana's devotion reading plan on the YouVersion Bible app, The Lies of Busyness, has had over half a million downloads to date. Diagnosed with severe rheumatoid arthritis in her teens, Diana credits her health battles for her intimate relationship with God, her inescapable reliance on him, and her pursuit of an intentional life. Diana lives in Milwaukee, Wisconsin with her husband, Kyle, and their son, Harrington. Hi, Diana. Welcome to my podcast. Uh, Just a little background for you guys. I think the last time Diana and I saw each other, were we at Making Things Happen? Yes. I think that was one of the only times we've actually, well, maybe we've seen each other twice in person, but we've had a long lasting online relationship, but not like that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But Diana and I were roommates at Laura Casey's Making Things Happen, and it was so much fun. I felt like we were teenagers. Uh, Diana (laughs) is a life coach for Christian women, and she is just a powerhouse uh, Jesse and I had the opportunity to work with her for a handful of years and just loved getting to know her. And she is a treat. And I'm so glad you're here. Hey, thank you so much. This is going to be so fun. And I know Becky and Jesse because they coached me and they're part of why I am where I am. So they're awesome. And I'm so grateful for you guys. Really. Thanks, girl. Um, <laughs> so today we're going to talk about um, a handful of things. But one thing I think a lot of women are dealing with, and I don't think it's a new thing, but I feel like maybe social media and just like the age we live in, it's bringing it to light and more people are talking about anxiety um, and how mm-hmm. it's just affecting you. I know just from being in like our industry of like creative women entrepreneur industry, mm-hmm. I think a lot falls on women. So I would yeah. love Diana. I know that you talk really openly about it and you've blogged about it. Um, just tell us a little bit about you first, about yourself um, and your family and how you became a life coach for Christian women. And then we'll dive into some of that stuff on lovely anxiety. (laughs) Yay. So fun. Yeah. So I live in Milwaukee, Wisconsin with my husband, Kyle and our two and a half year old Harrington, AKA Harry. And I am a life coach. I work with go-getter Christian women. And that came about kind of accidentally, but it was clearly God's hand as a result of starting a blog to share what a disaster my life was and how much I was struggling. And journey of rheumatoid arthritis and all that. And uh, for a while, as that took off more than I expected, thinking, okay, I'm going to make a career out of this. I'm going to make a career out of writing and speaking, but then realizing that that's not a super effective business model. So I realized that life coaching would be a great way to serve my audience and just made so much sense. And So yeah, so I went and got certified as a life coach and have done that for about five years now, I think. And I do one-on-one coaching with private clients and then also have a group program called Fight for Margin. And that's a new program, right? Yes. Yeah. How's that going? It's going so well. Honestly, there were dozens and dozens of women covering that program in prayer and I felt it so much. I felt it as I was creating it and we have done kind of this unique approach where we've actually been checking in with every woman 
every week throughout the course of the program and holding them accountable. And we've been looking in Kajabi to see how how much progress they're making because they did not want to create an online course or program and then just sell it to people and be like, oh, I hope you actually use it. And and women are actually doing it. They're getting through it and they're getting results. So I'm so grateful. That's I'm super amazing. excited about it. Yeah. Cool. And I want to jump back to um, your clients and like what you do a little bit later, because I think that will be really beneficial for listeners. But if you can take us back just a little, a few handful of years um, and just tell us about the like worst case, not case, I know it's an ongoing (laughs) thing, like the worst of your anxiety and like what happened, um, what got you to that point? Yeah. If you wouldn't mind sharing about that. Yeah. I feel like so many business owners have some kind of a story of their you know, their burnout story, whatever. And I'm very grateful that I don't have that story during the time of my business because the lowest of the low was before I ever started business. So my background is in nonprofit fundraising and communications and my anxiety really hit a peak and stress and all that when I was actually working in my dream job. It was a job that I wanted so badly and with an organization that I love and I'm still super, super passionate about today. But I was still growing a lot as a person and still very, very much enslaved to perfectionism and really high standards and expectations, mostly that I was putting on myself. And so, yeah, I mean, I was having the shallow breathing. I was, my heart would race, especially at work, honestly, all the time, actually. (laughs) Um, And probably the worst part of it was I had that awful cortisol crazy thing where you wake up almost every single night around two or 3am and I would never be able to fall back asleep. So I was like a zombie. I was in survival mode. It was, I I thought that when I took that job, I would be so happy because I was doing work I loved and a cause I was passionate about, but I just was holding myself to impossible standards in my job and in my personal life, just trying to be this person who was perfect and good at all the things. And I'm an Enneagram one. I was just going to say that. Which is, I feel like everyone says, oh, that's the worst. But I really feel like <laughs> to be a perfectionist, to have that perfectionistic, I need to manage all the details and do everything well and fix all the things like side of the one, but then also have the people pleaser side mm-hmm. of recipe for disaster, at least mm-hmm. it was for me. So yeah. I think we're the same. We're both ones and INFJ, correct? I am like really borderline e- E-I. Sometimes okay. I- but yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's okay. Yep. Yeah. That oneness is, um, it's hard sometimes. Um, so what, okay. So you feel like you're at your like breaking point. What did you do? What happened? What, yeah. What happened next? Yeah. There, there were a lot of things that kind of came to a head that made me realize this is very serious and I need to really take this seriously. And I tried, need to like put in some effort to fixing this because I just was starting to realize how much my stress was affecting Kyle. And he even told me that I asked him one day, cause I read on this blog post, babe, um, what do you need from me? And I thought he'd be like, Oh, I need you to support me more in work or whatever. And he immediately was like, I need you to be less stressed. Mm. And I was like, Oh, okay. And then we realized that this weird breathing gasping for air thing that he was doing was only when he was around me and when I was wound up and we went on this little um, road trip vacation together around that time, which we postponed by a day because I was so stressed out at work. We literally like shortened our vacation by a day. So I was like, I need to stay at work another day and get all this stuff done. 
But during that vacation, slowly over time, I felt like the old version of myself came back. And so we just talked about that so much on the way home. And he was like, you've been so joyful and wonderful to be around on this trip. And I'm honestly very scared that we're going to get home and you're going to get back into things and lose that again. And I was like, I don't want to lose that. I really don't want to lose that. And I was in therapy at the time and my therapist got to a point one day where she was like, Dana, I don't know what else to do. She was so great, but she was like, I don't know what else to do. You either need to quit your job or you need to go on medication. Mm -hmm. And I did not feel good about either of those solutions. I was like, I don't like either of those. I don't want to do either of those. At the time I was trying super hard to get off of medication for rheumatoid arthritis. I was like, I don't want to get off of one medication and then jump on another one. Um, I'm obviously not saying that I'm against Mm -hmm. medication in all circumstances, but just for me, I was like, I don't want to do that. And so, yeah, so I just, I wish I could say like, oh, here's this step-by-step thing that I did. It was so straightforward or here's the one thing that made the difference, but really it's just been this slow, consistent over time growth of God unraveling the icky parts of me, the unhelpful parts of me, redeeming some of my perfectionistic tendencies and things like that. Cause it's not like I did a 180 and I'm this mm-hmm. super chill person. Now. You're still a one. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Somebody better. Yeah. What somebody once said, um, I don't know. It was a friend of a friend told told me that I was so chill. And then I like later came home and told Jesse that and we both just bust out laughing. I'm like, I'm so chill, babe. He's like, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so it's not, it wasn't yeah, so like, God, like, right. Yeah. So it wasn't like, Oh, here's this one thing or like, it just all happened overnight or I don't even, I can't even think of a, a story necessarily that shows like, Oh my gosh, I changed. But when I look back on things from then, or even just, yeah, think about stories. I mean, if you met me now and I told you some of the things that I used to do or like things that mattered to me back then, you'd be shocked. So it's just been this slow process over time. And God's been so, so faithful in that. And some of the very practical, tangible things that helped, because obviously this was something where God is ultimately in control of the results, but I had some agency as well. There were things that I could do. So the therapy was super helpful. Lots of therapy. I love therapy. I'm a huge proponent of that. Me too. Honestly, food has Mm -hmm. been a big part of me. And if that's something that as you're listening to this, you're like, wait, food ties into your mental health. It totally does. Google it. Look it up. Look up gut health or the GAPS diet or just start Googling. That's been really helpful. Um, I basically eat paleo, organic, clean, um, also trying like basically forcing myself to rest was helpful in moving uh, along the spectrum of less anxiety because it forced me to trust God. And I did it little by little by just kind of dipping my toe in the water and trying out, okay, on Sunday, I'm going to not look at social media on my phone for one hour (laughs) and realizing, okay, God, I can trust you. This is okay. It's okay if I do less and let go of some things. And now that's to the point where we take an entire, every Sunday we take as a family and we don't do stuff. We don't want to do lists. We totally rest that day. And it's absolutely amazing. And then just a lot of reducing things from my life and ruthlessly eliminating, I mean, decluttering, not just stuff, but 
anything that I could that wasn't really, really, really serving the things that mattered the absolute most to me. And you know me, Becky, I'm kind of insane about that stuff. You're now. really that good is, at that stuff. You're totally minimalistic. Insane. I just love it. It's, it's just so fun. What to, are, I love uh, <laughs> purging that stuff as well. What are some things like just some, I don't know, is there anything like funny or random that like you got rid of that you didn't realize was making you feel cluttered or weighed down? Well, I think it was when I read The Life Changing Magic of Shining mm-hmm. Four years ago, my friends are like, you were a Konmari fan before it was cool and before she was on Netflix, which is true. I was. <laughs> um, but I remember reading her book and her just talking about the emotional burden that stuff can have on you mm-hmm. and how you every time you open up a closet or whatever and you see that thing, it's like it makes you feel bad that oh, I don't engage in that hobby anymore or oh my gosh, I still haven't put those photos in albums or whatever. And so I had all of this baking stuff, all these fancy baking things, cookie cutters and all the fancy icing tips and the professional icing dye. And I pretty much only baked very occasionally, either when I was trying to impress someone or when I just felt guilty, like, oh my gosh, I never use that expensive stuff. I should bake something, but it really wasn't bringing me joy. I I enjoy doing that stuff with other people, but not by myself. So I got all of that stuff together and just gave it to my mom. And I was like, I'm done. I'm not baking anymore. And so I just literally don't bake. Uh, Another thing that people make fun of me for sometimes in a loving way is that I'm really weird even about things like, okay, I'm not going to buy fruit that I have to cut up. And it's too much work for me. (laughs) Like pineapples and cantaloupe. Pineapples, mangoes are bad too. Right. Yeah. I mean, and I think that started when I first had Harry and I remember Kyle going to the grocery store one day and I was like, you know, really tired and whatever. And I was like, I know that you really like buying pineapples and (laughs) and things like that. And I was like, please don't buy that because I cannot manage one more thing right now. I do not want to have to be watching to make sure that it's getting to the point of perfect ripeness and then having to spend like 15 or 20 minutes cutting it up. And he was like, okay. (laughs) You're like, Kyle, it's either this or the old Diana. So just don't buy any pineapples. Exactly. So I would rather just like eat pineapple when I go somewhere else or have someone else cut it for me, I guess. But it's great. It's a luxury. (laughs) That's funny, but it totally makes sense. I don't buy pineapples either. All those things add up though. They Mm -hmm. do. Like, okay, well, that seems like a silly little thing, but I am so like, it matters so much to me to have my time with the Lord every day and a lot of it to have quality time with my kid and my husband and to be able to rest and get eight hours, eight hours of sleep and take care of my health. And so you have to let go of some stuff. And the very, I mean, most women are very anxious and they're very stressed out. And the solution to that is not typically just going to be like these couple little things here and there, like doing self-care. Like if it's a big problem, it's probably going to require a big solution or like a seemingly crazy and countercultural. Mm-hmm. So I'm willing to be crazy like that because <laughs> I have a, a good quality of life and I'm yeah. very thankful for that. Yeah, yeah, you totally do. Um, I know somewhat recently, I think it was in the spring that you had like this trial of not doing social media. And I know it's something we worked together for years and you would, and you've always been like, <laughs> I just don't want to spend the time on it. And I, I get that. Tell us a little bit, because I think I I know I've just, I've heard and seen for myself, like I know women like Instagram is like causing upheaval in their lives because of, you know, comparison and anxiety and all these other things. Like 
what drove you? I know you already didn't like, like doing, spending time working on social media, but like what drove you finally be like, all right, we're going to give this thing a test where we don't do social media for a while. And tell me a little bit about that and what the results were for you um, personally and like how that made you feel and what you're doing now. Mm -hmm. I feel like if there's something in your life that you perpetually feel frustrated by and you feel like you're failing at, you either need to really, really make an effort to not feel like you're failing at that thing to change your approach, whatever, or you just need to finally let it go. And so, you know, cause you coached me, I tried so many things. I tried so hard, even hiring someone and tried so hard to make social media, something that I felt like wasn't a drain was worth the time I was putting into it and actually was beneficial for our business. And I just could not get there after years. So finally I was like, I felt like I wanted to give it up completely, but I thought I'd be a little bit more rational. Just take a test. And that's a great way to try something. If you feel like I couldn't let go of this thing, it matters so much or what might happen. Just take a break from it. Try not doing that thing or whatever and see how it goes. So yeah, I think it's been four months now since we stopped posting on Instagram I had my assistant change my logins. I can't even log in. I love that. And yeah, and we stopped. I stopped like posting and engaging in my Facebook group and posting on Facebook and running Facebook ads. And it was a really, really valuable test because for one, we realized, well, Facebook ads are super worthwhile and valuable for us and helps build our list, which is the number one area that I focus on for content and where I try to provide a lot of value. So Um, so we're for sure going to stay on Facebook, at least have that business page so that we can run Facebook ads. And we've actually ramped up our Facebook ads recently, but I'll tell Jesse, (laughs) I actually reached out to him not that long ago and asked him a question. Um, but yeah, but Instagram, we are not planning on going back on. So I'm not sure if I will delete it completely. I'm probably just going to go on there and put something in the caption. Like we quit or I don't know. (laughs) I mean, there's just, I work three days a week only. I'm done at four. I am very good about sticking to my work boundaries and I spend a lot of my work time coaching my clients. So there's a very, very small amount of time outside of that for me to be working on stuff. And it just didn't seem like something that was making that big of a difference. And I just kept getting more and more annoyed at everyone saying, well, you have to use social media. You just have to, you don't have a choice. And I was like, I do have a choice. There's like, there might be consequences to that choice, but so far it doesn't seem like there really are any. And it feels really nice to not every week be like, oh my gosh, I haven't responded to Instagram DMs for two weeks or what am I going to post or living life with what I call your Instagram goggles on where you're like always looking for a wall or flowers that match your brand. And, Oh, my kid is wearing a cute outfit. Perfect. So let's try to get pictures. And it just doesn't, it just didn't work for me. I know it does for some people and it's a huge part of their business, but it wasn't serving us. So I think that's (laughs) really encouraging whether you're a business owner or not. Like I have friends who aren't as well, obviously, well, maybe not obviously, but, and even it's, it, it burdens them in a different way. You know, it gives you anxiety, maybe not to like keep up business wise, but just to be putting stuff out there, showing the world how great your life is, whatever it is. Like, I think it's just encouraging to hear that. Like 
you can give something up that's so popular. And so like everybody's doing it. And on the other side of that, you have relief and more time for the things that you actually want to be spending time on. Um, yeah. I think that's awesome. You just made me think of, uh-huh. so I read the book, digital minimalism, not that long ago. And he made this, he said this thing in there, which I was like, yes, that's, he put into words kind of what I've been thinking, which is that almost any form of technology or app or whatever that we use is going to have some benefit to it. And usually it's that small benefit that keeps people using it. I hear people all the time, well, I couldn't let go of Instagram because then where would I, I would miss out on pictures of my niece or something, but he challenges you. First of all, is the cost worth more? Does the, is the, sorry, does the benefit outweigh the cost? So is the benefit of seeing your niece's photos or whatever it is that you get from Instagram or from that app or something, um, does that outweigh all the negative things that it does in your life? And is that the best way to achieve that result? Mm -hmm. So I am missing out on photos of friends or my niece and nephew or whatever, but that's not the best or only way for me to get those photos of them because I can text my sister and be like, send me some William pictures right now, please, you know, and she will. So challenge yourself if they're just for anyone who's listening, if there's things that you think, well, I couldn't let go of that because this, is there a way that you could work around that and still get the results that you're after, but maybe without using that thing or using it in a healthier way? I love that mindset. It's less like something has control over you and more like, you yes. have control over that choice. I love that. Yeah. And as a one, you know, we like having control of some sort. So. <laughs> um, Diana, yeah. so tell me a little bit about, so like you, you do life coaching for driven go-getter Christian women. Um, we talked about anxiety a little bit. Do the women, and I know like, I want to be sensitive to your clients. And of course we don't need to say any names, but like when people come to you, like what state are they in? Are they overly anxious about something. Tell me like the common themes that you're seeing. Cause I think that would be so valuable for our listeners because your listener, our listeners are probably uh, very much lined up with your type of people. Um, so like, I just want to know what they are feeling and experiencing, like when they contact you and we can kind of get into what you do for them too. Yeah, I would say, I mean, it's, it's obviously a, a range of people and types of people and things like that. And everyone's unique, but generally speaking, because they are goal oriented women, because they're driven women that I'm working with, a lot of them feel like they're totally failing. Mm-hmm. And that's probably the thing that makes me the most sad about women, women of our generation is that there's just so many ways to feel like we're not measuring up to feel like we're not good enough. Like we're, always dropping balls in so many areas. And so that's a big, a big theme that I see is that they don't feel like they're doing well enough and they're just completely overwhelmed Mm -hmm. by that and enslaved to the expectations of the world, but also of themselves. And it's helpful. The clients I work with, I specifically look for women who have that kind of internal locus of control where they realize I'm not a victim to all this stuff, despite what the world says or how the world influences me or how social media influences me. I still have choices. Mm -hmm. There's still, I can still say no to things, even if it's hard, or even if no one I know is living in that way. So I love working with them and helping them figure out what is it that really, really, really matters to you? Because 
okay, I gave up baking completely. Maybe you want to make more time for baking because that gives you life. So then I want to help you make more time for that. And I would say the biggest secret, so to speak, or like the biggest thing that I've learned and been very blessed to learn, being able to see behind, peek behind the curtain of all these women's lives who range from stay-at-home moms to women with large businesses and teams is that we all have it together a lot less than we think. Like other women that we see are not even close to as perfect and having it all together as we think they are. I think we know that intellectually, but we tend to, we, we see things and we don't live as like rationally, we don't really grab onto that and realize, okay, yeah, that doesn't make, I, I can think that that perfect, perfect, I can think that that person is perfect, but they're probably not. It's like, we just, for some reason, we really honestly think that most women are doing better than us. And even with women who have a very authentic and open and honest presence online, because a lot of my clients do have some kind of platform, so to speak, even those women who you think I know their dirty laundry, they're honest, they share their hard things. They're only sharing a small percentage of their hard things. They're sharing the hard things that are number one, appropriate to share in social media. Um, Number two, the things that are okay for them to share, because the truth is a lot of people have a lot of baggage and hurts, things in their past and their present that they're not going to share maybe with anyone or maybe just with their closest friends, because It involves other people. Like you're not going to go on Instagram and bash your mother-in-law or something or say like, my husband's really struggling with this sin and it's destroying our marriage. Or you're not going to say like, I'm still, you know, it's one thing to confess to things like comparison or whatever. It's another thing to get on social media and be like, I struggle with suicidal thoughts or I'm still trying to get over the abortion that I had 15 years ago or whatever. So, Mm -hmm. or like to say, Hey, my business isn't actually that profitable right now. I mean, you'd be shocked and you're a business coach. So you probably know how many people look like, Oh, they're making a lot of money in their business and they're barely making money or maybe not making any money at all. So yeah, there's just a lot of things like that. And I think that's, that's been really powerful and helpful for me. It helps me give myself a lot more self-compassion to realize Hey, it's okay if I'm struggling with things sometimes. It's okay if relationships are hard and messy. It's okay that I'm a work in progress or that sometimes I have a month in my business that just doesn't go well. Or sometimes I totally doubt myself because every other woman is in that same boat to some extent. Yeah, no, that's incredible insight. And I think that's very, it's encouraging for me even to hear. I feel like a lot of times there's this like, an event, something that happened that they, somebody will share like, well, this happened and I've overcome it. And now like life is better because of it. And I think that's great. But I think a lot of times it's probably still sticks with them, but all we see is like, oh, this person dealt with this really hard thing and then they overcame it and now they look beautiful. And (laughs) now it's all, you know, now life is great for them. And I don't, I doubt that's true because I know the things that Jesse and I have dealt with in our lives, like the things that were hard and big, like they still affect Mm -hmm. us to this day. Um, you know, um, yeah, I, I just love that honesty and your viewpoint because I know that you do hear a lot of it from a lot of different people. Um, so I think that's really encouraging. 
mm-hmm. is that basically we all just don't have our act together. <laughs> and that's <laughs> yeah. okay. It's okay. Yes, yes absolutely. Mm-hmm. So how do you help these women? What's the, yeah, how do you help them? What's the best um, thing that if you could give like a takeaway for somebody, it's like going through a season of, struggling with something, let's say it's anxiety, it's overwhelmed. They feel like they're failing. Um, let's say they don't hire you as a business coach. What's something that you could give them to practically do? Yeah. So just honestly getting curious and becoming more aware of what's going on in your thought life. It's doesn't sound like some revolutionary answer, but it's really, really so powerful. And I even mentioned in an email that I sent out to my list just this last week, this little concept. It's nothing fancy, just called rubber ducking based on this guy who literally had a rubber duck that sat on his desk at his office. And when he was facing a challenge, he would just start talking out loud to the rubber duck. (laughs) Did he share an office with anybody? I don't know. Hopefully not. Yeah. And explaining what was going on, talking through it. And so honestly, like there's a very popular book about coaching that says, basically says to not put so much pressure on yourself as a coach, because even if a person had a standing date every week with a lamppost and they want to talk to the lamppost, it would be powerful and beneficial. So all that to say, even if you don't go to therapy or work with a life coach, just spending time, just be, like paying attention to your thoughts and what's going on in your head and doing some reflective work. And you can do that through prayer or journaling or whatever it is. Talking to a friend is so, so, so helpful because a lot of us our brains are so full and we're cramming them every second with another podcast or music or our kids in the background or whatever that we don't even know, for example, what the root of our anxiety is. I mean, usually if we're feeling anxious about something, there's a fear behind that or something. Even this morning, I woke up and I felt like just this bit of anxiety in my body. And so I know what some of the things are that kind of trigger that for me. Like if there's too much noise or I've been listening too much audio content, or if my list is just unrealistically long or things like that. And so I realized my list for the day is too long. It's not going to get done. We're going out of town in a few hours. And so, but if I hadn't, so then I could take action on that. But if I hadn't paused to think about Hey, what's going on here? What am I actually feeling? What's making me feel anxious? What's the, the circumstance and the thought that's making me feel anxious? Then I wouldn't have been able to work around that. So honestly, that's one of, and there's so many different strategies and tools that I use with my clients, but that's one of the simplest, most basic things is just to like be curious, ask yourself questions, understand what's going on. Because then when you really know what's going on, then you can brainstorm solutions, you can take action etc. So there is one specific model strategy that I use sometimes with clients that I can share here. And it's from Brooke Castillo. And I can't do it full justice in a short podcast. But the idea is that your circumstances create your thoughts, your thoughts create your feelings, your feelings create your actions and your actions create your results. There's so many ways to use this model. But the simplest way that I like to use it for myself and with clients is when you are feeling off, when you're feeling anxious, bitter, whatever it is, to check in with yourself about what thought are you choosing to think about your circumstance that's causing you to feel that way? Because contrary to what we might think, a circumstance doesn't automatically translate into a certain type of feeling. You decide 
how, what you're going to think about that circumstance, the thought that you're going to tell yourself about the fact that your husband came home late or someone posted this picture on Instagram or whatever, you decide the thought. And then based on that thought, that's going to create how you feel. So that helps me so much and my clients sometimes to um, when I'm noticing that I'm feeling really crabby toward my husband or I'm feeling anxious about my to-do list as I look at my list for work for the week to be like, okay, what is the thought that I'm thinking? What And what's a positive thought that I can choose instead? And the trick is it has to be something that you can actually believe. So you can't just tell yourself, you know, nice things or be like, I'm skinny and beautiful. I'm skinny and beautiful. If you don't actually believe that. But so what is a thought that I can think instead that's going to help me feel peace or joy or whatever it is you want to feel. So I think that's so empowering. Um, I love it because it's just honest, like even you're a life coach, you feel like people might think you have it all together all the time. (laughs) And but it's, it's really empowering to be like, okay, you woke up this morning and you felt anxious about something. So the win isn't like, oh, I beat anxiety. The win is that now you have the tools or you know how to deal with it so that it doesn't affect you in a negative way that you don't want it to, you know, ruin your life. Um, Mm -hmm. but I love that because I think sometimes just going back to like seeing people on social of like, oh, there was this big problem. We fixed it. And like, life is great now. Like Mm -hmm. that, that isn't, the win. I I agree. I think the win is like learning how to approach it and deal with it so that it, so that you have control over those emotions um, and reactions. I had a friend um, tell us once, I think she got it from her mom, but I just, I loved it when she told us this and it was like, you might not be able to like control your initial reaction. Like if something happens, like you might feel something and that's okay. But like you do have control over like your second reaction, like what you actually Mm. do about what yeah. that feeling was. And I was like, that's great. Cause I'm a heavy feeler and I feel a lot of things <laughs> and they're not, it's not always good, but like knowing, okay, I feel this way, but like how I verbalize this, like I do have control over like what I put out in the world about this. Yes. I, re- yes. I really liked that. Yes, exactly. It's so true. I was just talking to the client the other day that, I mean, obviously some people are naturally more positive or more motivated or whatever, but I've really seen that the people who who appear to be those quote unquote naturally positive or naturally motivated people aren't necessarily like that by nature. They're just the people who know I'm going to get thrown off the wagon. I'm going to find myself in a little bit of a funk multiple times a day and they don't freak out about it. They just go, okay, how do I reset? What's my thing that I do to reset? And they know if they're a believer, they know like I have to be connected to the vine. I need to be rooted in God consistently if I want to produce fruits of the spirit, like joy and peace. And, but yeah, it's just making that choice over and over and over instead of finding yourself in a negative place and either thinking, well, I can't do anything about this or spiraling downward because you're like, I can't believe I'm feeling anxious again. The people who seem to deal with that stuff the best just kind of accept. Yeah. Some things are going to be stressful, like packing to leave for the weekend with a two and a half year old around. It's going to be not fun. No, it's just not. But, you know, I can just keep hitting the reset button and I know what those things are for me and it'll be okay. Yeah. Diana, before we let you go, what um, do you feel like you have been set free from and like what biblical truths do you keep coming back to that you feel um, just have been like an integral part of your life and like just the different negative things that you've thought about, like what biblical truths do you keep coming back to and how has that, how have those set you free in your life? 
Yeah, I kind of like to have a verse that's kind of a theme in the season. And so it changes. And so there are ones that come to mind that really, really resonated with me and spoke life into me in past seasons. But the one right now recently that for some reason really seems to stand out is Matthew 11. And we've all heard it, but just come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And the idea, and then, you know, it talks about taking Jesus yoke upon you and finding rest for your souls and Jesus yoke being easy and his burden being light. And for some reason, that one just is really, and I think it's good to memorize things like that because then when you find yourself in an anxious moment, sometimes those thoughts come to mind right then that scripture comes to mind. It's like God is speaking to you right then through his word, which is so cool. But that one really lately I'm loving because it, for some reason, it just keeps reminding me that if life feels really heavy and burdensome, yes, it's somewhat a product of sin and a broken world. But a lot of times it's just me. It's kind of my own fault. Like Jesus is not putting all these things on my to-do list. I am the one that is a lot of times creating anxiety and stress and pressure for myself. So if I'm feeling a lot of that, even like a couple of weeks ago when I started to plan out my week, uh, my work week and felt like, oh my gosh, this is so much. All that stuff on my list is stuff that I put on there and I could do something about it if I wanted to. So I'm really loving that one. Um, yeah. And oh, God has set me free from so much and given me so much freedom. And I'm so grateful for more connection with Kyle and Harry. And I'm so grateful that he did the bulk of the work on me before I had a kid. Oh, I would just be it would be so hard to have been in the midst of all that when I did have a kid and to look back and be like, I missed the first five years of his life or something. Cause I was a stressed out maniac, but so I'm so thankful for that work that he did. And honestly, he's still just daily setting me free and setting, setting me free from myself mostly because he's so good and gracious like that. And hopefully in five or 10 years, I will look back and even this time and be like, wow, he's brought me so far even since then. Thanks, Diana. Um, so people can't find you on Instagram or they can, but you're not <laughs> posting very much these days. Yeah. Um, so where, where do people find you? What do you have for them? Uh, if they listen to you, they like you, where can they get more Diana? Yeah. So you can go to my website, dianakerr.com, D-I-A-N-A-K-E-R-R. And, uh, and there's info on there about coaching. You can read my blog. And then really the best, best content that I put out and that I really prioritize is my emails to my email list. So if you want to get on my list, you can go to dianacurr.com slash workbook and I'll send you a little workbook slash guide kind of thing. It's called three lies about time. Christian women, women believe in three truths that will set you free and um, you'll get that. And then you'll get on our list. Great. We'll add all that in the show notes too. Okay. Thank cool. you so much, Diana. It was so fun okay. seeing your face and chatting and um, yeah, I will chat soon. Yay. Bye.